Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers, leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this Deep Sales, and LinkedIn has built the first Deep Sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Matty A. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's show. Oh, baby. What up? What up? We're wrapping up Q2, man. I know. We got a... Quarter two is coming. Nike's reporting earnings, actually. Now you just said that. You said it, and Nike popped in my head. But yeah, we are wrapping up quarter two. <laughs> it's this random squirrel moment. Yeah. We got a great show for you guys today. Updates on what's going on in the market. Looking back at some of the reports that came out this week. Mm. Tracking what reports are coming out uh, this coming week. And, well, we already know it. You already said it, yep. right? If you think that uh, you need the government to tell you that we're in a recession. You yeah. slow. You slow to the party. Yeah, I think that uh, the I said it again this morning. I think I said it on prior podcast. You got if the um, people will say, "Oh, we're in a recession," and that's past tense. Like we were, we've been in one. Um, if you've been listening to this show, you know that we're in one. And we're just going through, in my opinion, a technical recession right now. Still don't have data to support like a woe is me, beans and bullets moment. Um, awesome time to be hunting, shopping. You know I'm buying. Oh, yeah. I know you buying. Mm-hmm. We're opening up another account for me. I'm buying. Yeah. Everybody that is playing the long-term game buying is DCA in their way all the way through Dollar the trough, cost all average. the way to the top. Dollar cost average. It, it's... Uh, if you and I know people listening to this or clients and they've reached out to me, you always ask, Oh, hey, I'm gonna put in a lump sum of XYZ. And I say, Why don't we just spread it out? You know, unless, well, because uh, here, when, and that, and that's that's maybe eight months ago or six months ago, even the, uh, the answer is different. Now it's a little bit okay, hey, we're going. I didn't know we were gonna keep going down now that it's kind of trending that way and probably be that way for a little bit longer. Better to just dollar cost average than just. Jump in, yeah. Um, well, but even if you lump sum to the beginning of the year, you're fine. You still got the market at a down. The market was dropping at the end of uh, January. So. Well, we're going to talk about why you don't try and time the market here, and give you guys a quick little, you know, example to put some context to it. Some interesting stuff happening in crypto that we'll we'll touch on. Just some things to pay attention to, uh, and of course, some updates on uh, pending home sales reports, contracts. Um, rates and as a whole, you know, where we think the market is headed over the course of the next, you know, a couple of weeks as we head into Q3. Mm-hmm. With that being said, if you guys are new to the show, welcome in. We talk all things greenbacks. I on, love it. On this show. Money, money, money. Ryan, of course, our market expert, institutional type of advisor that ultimately looks at the macro of the markets and really does such an amazing job, which is why I love one, having him as my advisor and 
two, just friend, right? To consistently get information and data that gets pulled down into the retail investor space that we can understand. Yes, they do things on a very, very macro scale, but one of the beautiful things of having Ryan in your corner is him and his team, the analysts, the quants, the entire crew, the way they break, break it down and bring it back to earth really right for the retail investor like you and I um, gives you the best edge on identifying what the next best decision is for you, your money along your wealth building journey. Now, that's of course just one part of the overall wealth pie that Ryan and I believe in, which is obviously pairing a very strong market plan with a very strong real estate plan and of course, insurance. Mm-hmm. When we talk about that, you know, I don't know if we've ever discussed like what is the perfect... I know you're a little bit heavier weighted on the market side. I would say I'm probably a little bit more heavier weighted towards the real estate side. But what do you think is like a really ideal wealth pie allocation? Um, I don't really have like one because everybody's situation is a little different. So it just whatever works for that person. I'll just tell people what I think their best mix is for what they're trying to do. Um, and I, I, instead of trying to jam everybody into my shoes, I try to custom build a pair for each person. So that's that's more um, palatable most of the time. Instead of doing do it 100% my way, it's if you're doing it this way, okay, this is what you would need to do that I can add to that that would get you to this point. Of your wealthiest clients, what would you say a spectrum of their wealth allocation consists of when it comes to, you know, stocks and bonds, insurance, real estate? Um, again, depending on the person, but I have I have a few that are very real estate heavy and then they still mix in a good amount of insurance. A lot of them own businesses. Mm. Um, so they're really, they're making money off the business. That's their real estate yep. a lot of the times. Um, one of my clients, in fact, his business, his real estate is his business buildings that he, I don't know how you do it, but you know how you can own it and structure it to where you pay it, but it pays you. Mm-hmm. I'm not that sophisticated. I just know you can do it. Um, and then I have people on the other end that don't own like any real estate and just do traditional stuff and insurance. And maybe they do syndications. So where they don't actually own the real estate, but they have their fingers in it because it's that's what they understand. They understand investments. So they that you know, they don't want mm-hmm. the they don't want the asset, they want the annualized return or the income returns. from an investment. Exactly. So um I just think that that's that's fine too. All of them have the same kind of notion though, and they all invest heavy in early on, so they don't work a ton right now. So they do the hard work up front to get the the cushion in the back end. I think that's been the main thing I've seen with all of them is like they they weren't worried about next year. They weren't worried about five years. They said, hey, if I do this for 10 years, I'll be good. I just got to put my head down, do this for 10 years, and I'll be good. Um, and then they hit the 10-year mark, and then they pull back, and they're like, all right, now I can really have a lot more choices of what I want to do with my money. And I don't care if I'm wrong or I'm right or if it's the best or if it's the worst. I like it. It makes me money. So I'm going to do that. So that's kind of the trajectory that most of those people go. Um, Self, I'm primarily traditional investments, insurance, and then I have a little bit of real estate. So I'm I'm working my way into getting more real estate. I've been spending money on non-cash flowing real estate. Uh, my personal homes the past three years now. I've uh, I bought a home, got it all redone, sold it like literally two years in one month into my cap gains waiver. Built, was building another house during that time. Just did a backyard. Got to do more in the backyard. Got to do a front yard. It takes time. But that's why we're investing in our other stuff. I'm doing what I know because it's easy. And then when I get into stuff I don't know, I want to have more time and more money to play around with it. So, Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people talk about, you know, on the wealth building journey too, is like, don't try and do too much at once. Like, Poor, really strong foundation. You know, yours is stocks. You, it's it's your eggs in the basket that you are ultimately, you know, watching every single day. It's the same thing for me on real estate. Whether that's for somebody on, you know, their business. I think, 
you know, whatever it is in the beginning when you're building wealth, become an expert at one thing. What's your core tree trunk? Sharpen your ax on that every single day. Chop wood there every single day. And eventually you're going to have a lot of wood to build the house with. Then you can start seeing branches come off of that core tree trunk, right? My core tree trunk being real estate, Ryan's being the stock market. And then eventually, okay, oh, let's start doing some insurance over here. Oh, let's start doing, you know, maybe some more low growth, long-term stable Roth or 401k type of planning. Oh, let's start doing syndications. Oh, let's, right. But like when you start doing too many things before you've really become an expert at one thing, that can be somewhat of a house of cards too. I've seen a lot of people make a lot of mistakes trying to get these, you know, this, this fallacy and myth of, you know, seven, every millionaire has seven income streams. Well, yeah, but usually they became a millionaire or, you know, worth 5 million or worth 10 million, just doing one thing first. Correct. Then they started to, after building that foundation, understanding the game of money and wealth building at a high level, then you start to see different, maybe board games and strategies, right? That you can go and learn the players, the landscape and understand how to win that one too. But they didn't try and play five board games or seven board games at one time and become a millionaire. Nope. You just can't do it. It just doesn't work that way. You literally don't have enough expendable time or energy. I mean, somebody somewhere is doing it. And don't get me wrong, there's always a one-off. Of course, somebody hits the lottery when they bought a ticket, right? Um, but it's not, it's not sustainable for most people. Uh, just kind of like a lot of the stuff in the past two years that a lot of people made money on, most people will not make money on. Crypto stuff like that and that's the that's the fallacy of getting rich too quick. Well, let's let's get uh let's get some crypto updates out of the way. Sure. We're seeing right now crypto bouncing around, moving horizontally. I think a significant the crypto emi- market as a whole breached above a 1 trillion dollar mark again. Um this weekend, I don't know if it's at above or below. I think it's back below that. I mean, it just it fluctuates so yeah. Fast and so rapidly every single day. Yep. But it's what proving- we do know is a drastic amount of market cap has been wiped and sucked out of the crypto market. Why do you think that is? You know, obviously, is it very is it similar to what we've seen in the equities market of hey, things were just a little too frothy and you know, it was a little bubbly and we just saw some air get sucked out of both the bubbles. I think that um I think what's going on in the stock market, there's a little bit more technical and data that can support like what's going on, and there's a lot of uh, systemic risk. I think with the crypto market, uh, the thing that we're seeing is a lot of the bullshit that people were saying about crypto is finally coming to a head. Like, oh, it's a hedge against inflation. Obviously not. Like, clearly, it's not a hedge against inflation. It's down seventy percent year to date, crypto market as a whole. Um, so that's out. If you, if you hear, and if you hear any crypto bro or, or whatever saying that, obviously they're just a fucking idiot. That's obviously not right. I've been saying that for years. I was saying it when it wasn't sexy. And here I am today telling you guys, I'm slicing my cake out of the fucking fridge and eating it now. I've been telling you that. Second, it's not a, um, a safe haven asset. People do not view it as a safe or stable place to put their money, i.e. stable coins like Luna and, uh, and um, what's the other one that starts with the freaking C, I forget. I mean, all these stable coins are, are failing and crashing because they can't do it. We have a, he- a crypto hedge fund today defaulting on it. Three long. arrows. Three arrows. Defaulted Massive. on over $670 million. Massive crypto hedge fund. So this is what I will remind everybody that listens to this and even all the people that listen to this that are, are listening and try to figure out if I'm right or wrong or what have you. I'm normally right long-term on this kind of stuff without being facetious. We just have, we have people that are smarter than me that work at the company that have a lot more experience than me that can tell me what's going to happen in the long-term. I'm telling you right now, the crypto market's going to continue to go through turmoil uh, regulation still hasn't even be put, been put into place. And here we are 
when that gets put down and smacked down, that's going to be a huge, huge, huge um, kick to the knees even more for the crypto market. So I see still more downward trend in the crypto market. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Bitcoin slide down to the five or $6,000 range. Um, and that would wipe out anybody's gain that's got into it. Gosh, I don't even remember when Bitcoin was five or six thousand dollars. Probably 2018, 2019, somewhere in there. Four or five years ago, three four years ago. Excuse me. Probably even more than that. Because um, when I bought in seventeen, and, and the thing mine that, was at thirteen or eleven. Eleven is when I got in. The thing that a lot of people don't understand about why it's so bad when the price goes down is because so much Bitcoin was bought with leverage. That when and this is what again. Sorry, you're not very wealthy and smart. You may not understand this, people that are hating on me for saying this, but leverage means that you borrowed somebody else's money. And those people are going to put limits on how low the price of the asset can go before you have to come and and table up, belly up to the bar and pay your tab. And they have the right to call that. And that's a big issue with a lot of these corporations that bought this crypto because, you know, a company doesn't just go spend a billion dollars in cash on crypto. They go get a loan against it. And that's going to start ringing its bell. And when you see these crypto loans get called, the way they liquidate them is by selling the asset that they're holding and turning it into cash. Uh, Celsius, that's the other stable coin. That was the crypto lending. Um, I heard Goldman Sachs is in talks to buy to sit, they've just been sitting back and they're waiting for them to crash and they're going to buy all their lending business. So all these people are going to get into a crypto loan and then figure out, ah, sorry, you got to switch your loan to tra- traditional one. We own it now and we service the, service the debt. So just a whole bunch of stuff that a lot of I told you so is going on right now. There's a lot of bag holders. I was having some fun DMing some of the people that have been hating on me the most um, because they've disappeared, but I still have them in my DMs. I just shot him a little bit of love, let him know that, you know, ha, 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 told you so. <laughs> um, I was sitting, Matt, some screenshots, and it was pretty funny. Uh, um, they were pretty good. But just, you know. The beauty of this show is we get so much love, but oh, don't, don't get me wrong, guys. We get a lot of the a lot of the haters, the a lot of the I told you sowers, right? You know, at the end of the day, that that's the beauty of putting out content. That's the beauty of putting, you know, your... Uh, your, everything your, your I put out across the table. You know what? Everything I put out is recorded. So at least, you know, you got a little taste of your own medicine. That's right. Uh, hide behind your keyboard. I will come find you. But I think part of what we're seeing too, right, is, you know, people starting to try and time the market again. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've been hearing that conversation of we've bottomed out, buy in now, right? Or the alternative. We haven't bottomed out, you know, when the market, you know, or when um, people trying to put their assets into cash and then when, get back yeah, the when market. the Fed says, you know, we're going to be in a recession, then consumer confidence is going to drop even further. We're going to see another bottom in the stock market, right? I've been hearing both sides of the coin. Um, why you don't want to time the market? We did a couple scenarios here. Yeah, I think what we did was we said if uh, somebody put $100,000 in the S&P on June 1st. Thinking that the market was? It was near a bottom. Okay. So it was going to go up. And then they waited until June 16th. So I, I call it the middle of the month, essentially. And, the, and they sold. Because they were concerned we were going to keep dropping. Correct. Which we were dropping. Correct. Um, they would have got down to about 88 grand. And so about a 12% loss yep. over that 15, 16, 15, day 16 period. days. Pretty much you're losing like a percent a day almost. Pretty hard, right? But if we had person B who did the same thing and that person B is still holding their stock today, their S&P 500 ETF, whatever, all their equity exposure in that ETF, they have $95,000. So are they still down? 100%. Welcome to investing. And, you know, welcome to your first month of investing. But if they would have waited that additional 10 days, it's literally a swing of, what is that? 8%. Eight grand. So they, they, That's eight, they thou, that would have caught, that cost the first person $8,000. And the first person hasn't cost them a dime yet. 
They still own the same quantity of investment. It may be worth a little bit less right now. It's worth 4% less. But it's still the same investment. They don't own any less of it. And that's where people get this weird relationship with investments. It's like the value of them goes down, so they're worth less, so they want to sell them. But then you want to buy them again when it, they're worth it, less. Why don't so you just hold? Why don't you just hold it while it's less, and then buy more of it, and then wait for it to go back up? What do you? Why, I'm curious. Why do you think that is? Is it because, because they can't can touch it? it? It's like it's not tangible to them anymore. So even if there's it's a lot less, getting it back in their possession is something that's important to them. Like what? What is it psychologically? Because I've. It's weird. Real estate completely different. Mm-hmm. For me, which is weird. Yeah. But then in the stock market, I have had that same ex- emotional experience, right? I, I haven't done that in There's a years, lot. I mean, obviously, tell me, but you name me your piece of real estate, you can wake up Monday through Friday and look at a live value of it every to the minute. Or on worst case scenario, on a 15-minute live. That would be dangerous. A lot of people, the reason they don't do that is because a lot more people would sell their homes. Mm-hmm. So if they did that, people, more people would sell them back up. Oh, my house is going down. They would completely, there would be so many people that you'd be shocked would think like this, but they would completely put aside the need, the necessity to have a home. And then it would purely be on the value of their home. That's how uneducated most people are about their assets. It's literally why there's a whole job classification in my world. Well, there's a reason I have a job. 99% of people need a financial advisor. Not everybody does. But out of 100 people, like 99% of them need yep. a financial advisor because they, they don't know how to think about their money. They don't know when to make moves on their money. And we're not perfect either. We're just, you know, I give people the baseball example. How a professional baseball player can get three hits out of 10 at-bats and go to the Hall of Fame. That's kind of how it is in financial advising. Most retail investors bat zero. Like that's their average. Mm-hmm. Most financial advisors are batting in that 300 to 500 range. We're not right all the time. We're just right more often. Mm-hmm. And that more often, even though it's a small amount, it's so much more than zero. It has a huge impact. So, you know, where our average investors do get, not, you know, on a growth side, 9, 12, 15%, even upwards of 20%. Annualized rates of return if they're aggressive enough. Most retail investors see a measly three, two, one, maybe even a negative annualized rate of return after inflation and taxes because they sell too much. Or what they sell is not right. They don't they don't sell to buy more, they sell to cash. And selling to cash in a inter, in an inflationary environment like we're in right now, and then just letting it sit and letting a bank make money with your money. I mean, just ridiculous. Yeah. There's no plan behind it. It's just emotional emotional treatment of your money, which is the most unsafe way to treat your money is with emotion. It's interesting, right? Because I love the baseball analogy. You know, there's so many spectators that that look into the world of money or that look into the world of sports and they they, they love it, right? Oh, they, they're, they're, an they're, na- they're enamored by it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they, they are the expert. And only few spectators, you know, actually decide to try and put in the work to get in the game, step into the batter's box. And like you said, right, nine out of 10 of them are striking out consistently because you got to be a pro to play in the space. Yeah. To if, and, and you don't need to hit a home run every time, but the game of money is about at least, you know, getting in the batter's box, looking at pitches come across the plate. And if you have the right training, the right skill, the right people around you, You'll hit singles. You do it long enough. You're going to put points up on the board. And that's the game of money, right? Is you want to be putting points up on the board over an extended period of time. And then all of a sudden, you're going to look up at your scoreboard and go, damn, I put up some, I've, I've done well, right? Yep. But most people just want to get in there and hit home runs and, 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 and grand slams all the time. And the reality of that, especially in the world of smart money is, that ain't going to happen. No, it doesn't work that way. And even like I always tell people, you know, statistically, the longer you're invested and the longer you invest, the less likely you are to take losses against your principal because you have so much in earnings. The same idea of think of a, a seasoned professional. It's less less uh, scary when he strikes out in his seventh year of his career versus his rookie year, right? 
it's just because you know what to expect now. You have a lot more built into that that player. You have a lot more data to go off of. So again, these are analogies, and I hope they make sense to everybody. But the the point being, <laughs> we're, the, we're the only ones who get yeah, it. Yeah, the point being, we're like these are cool analogies, and nobody ain't ain't fucking understanding shit. Wonderful time to invest right now. I mean, I'm I have a lot of really good listeners and clients and people that I work with that are driving a ton of money into the market. People that are were scared to do it, that are not apprehensive, but it's their first time doing it. And you know, if you're listening to this, you know who you are. It's hard. I've told you it's hard. It is a marathon, not a sprint when you get into this type of um, work. But when you look back two to three years from now and you say, wow, I was buying big time through that. Look at what I have today and your accounts are at 40, 50, 60% rates of return. You get those rates of return by buying the market when it's down. Yeah. Some people, I love it how people always scratch their head and they're like, oh, you know, Wall Street always fucks us over because they get such high rates of return. I remember what I said the other week. When you hit sell on your investments, the only reason that it goes through is because there's somebody on the other end buying. It's and a lot of the times it's institutions and they would love for your dumb ass to sell them that security at that cheap of a price. Yeah. So that it's it's really it's all the untalked about stuff, but like even that simple fact that when you hit the sell button, sell, excuse me, sell button, somebody has to pick it up on the other end. Mm-hmm. It's not just doesn't go out to the universe and float around. Yep. It's immediately transacted. Somebody just gave you their money for your equity or your fixed income or your alternative position, and now you feel good. Mm-hmm. I promise you the other person does too. They're rubbing their hands and licking their lips because they just got in at a cheap, cheap, cheap price. You just gave them the tick, the golden ticket. You Willy Wonka, you. So that's it's prudent to stay fully invested at all times. Make sure you understand your risk. And when the market's down... Jam money into that stuff. To all my listeners, if I'm working with you and you're working with me and you haven't hit me up and you got money on the sidelines, it is time. Yeah. I was gonna say time to put money into what's your what's your smart money doing right now? Um, if they're higher risk, they're buying uh direct equities. So individual stocks, if they're at least just broadly allocated, um, like brokerage accounts that are more balanced approach, we're just doing a broad uh, sector-based focused ETFs and maybe a couple alternative exposure yep. mutual funds. Um, but we're getting great rates of return. I mean, you can talk to people that have even just been with me for two years that are not so aggressive, that are more balanced. We're not down a ton this year. We're getting good yield. Portfolios are trading well. Uh, my high-risk people uh, you know, that are trading with portfolios that are built kind of like mine, individual stocks, names like Twilio and Palantir and Tesla and stuff in there. We're down a ton, but I mean, you have to understand those names are going to be bumping, bumping in, a, in the next couple of years. They're just going to do the worst during times like this. So that's why it's the biggest opportunity is to buy names like that. Yeah. Um, but you have to be prudent and make sure that you're purchasing quality. You can't just say, hey, I'm going to put, you know, I say this and I have 15% of my portfolio in one stock. Don't do that unless you're, you know, a professional is doing it for you or you understand the risk of that. But you don't want to just say, hey, I have 80% of my portfolio in Tesla or I have 50% of my money in this. Um, more prudent if you say, like, I have 50% of my money in the S&P 500 and then I have, you know, these little slices off to the side. But you got to be very careful what you do and why you do it. Um, when buying in a down market, just like in real estate, real estate can go on sale. That doesn't mean every single... Depressed property is going to be a cash cow in the future, right? Mm-hmm. You still have to be like, okay, everything's or the cheap. fundamentals here on yeah. this asset. Well, yeah, everything's cheap. I know I have, you know, time's crunch to get this asset, but let me make sure I cross my T's and dot my I's really quick. Foundation, good, awesome. Do I need a new roof? Awesome. Are there going to be other expenses popping up that I'm not worried about? We have to be the same thing in our stocks and our other stuff. I get everything is on sale and I see this cannabis stock that was trading at $8, now trading for $1. Should I go in? Maybe. But maybe we should look at some other stuff before we buy that. Yeah. It's just being prudent and picking what you're looking at. Makes total sense. And I think a lot of people want to know, have we seen the market bottom out and trough? Or do we think that when 
Fed comes out formally and announces that we're in a recession, that we'll see some additional value get sucked out of the markets. What are your thoughts around that? I don't know if the Fed... I think what the Fed might wait to do is say, you know, they'll say when we came out of a recession. I don't know if they'll be so bold to say that we're in a recession. I think they'll let people come up with that notion on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, I obviously could be wrong and they may say that. But um, I think that we're going to get another uh, interest rate hike here coming. And I feel like Which, it's already big. 50 or 75 Given the fact of what the Fed did last time, it wouldn't surprise it would surprise me more if they did fifty versus seventy-five. I think they need to go high again. And they just realized that they went high and hot and the market was okay to handle it. I think they can go high and hot again. It's not gonna surprise anybody. Um I'm anticipating maybe next May they could raise interest rates really high to cool inflation and then just cut them next May. Um, sometime around this year, <clears throat> this time next year. <laughs> Excuse me, y'all. Um, but I don't know. It's going to be, it's, it's so, everybody wants to know what can happen in the future. And it's, it's the honest answer is we have to see what happens after we do it. So it's what's the best option with the least detrimental outcome. Yeah. Raising interest rates right now is the best option for the market. And anybody who's upset about that, um, I'm you know, upset about it. Yeah, yeah. But in a way that they're like, if you can't make money or anything like that. You, you absolutely can. Um, it's, it's still a wonderful time to invest in anything. Um, you're just going to have to do it in a different way, just like you did it in a different way when money was, was cheaper. Yeah, when, you, when things are shifting, you just have to be willing to shift and pivot accordingly with what the market... You can't... Like when they say you can't fight the Fed... Like what that means is you cannot fight what the top of the totem pole is doing. Like it's going to trickle it's down. Not, it's not possible. When, when we say tr- it's trickling down the tree, right? Like they are at the peak of the tree. And when the boss man, you know, sends down marching orders to the rest of, you know, the departments that ultimately rely on what information and rules are coming out who really... Again, they call the shots. You cannot fight the Fed. So all you can do is adjust and tweak and adapt accordingly in the meantime. And I think right now, especially when we are in a shift on, we've already seen the shift, you know, aggressively take place in order to fight inflation and with a lot of the stuff that's going on in the markets on the stock side. We've mm-hmm. seen it happen on the crypto side, and it's now starting to happen on the real estate side as well. It doesn't mean you just stop and pause and you wait for you know the market to finally settle down and give you... Because a lot of what happens is... What happens today is usually lagging in terms of data and how it actually you know gets absorbed into the, let's just say, marketplace as a whole for 75 to 90 days. 45 to 90, depending on what we're talking about on the quick side, 45, on the longer, slower lagging side, let's say 90 days. But that doesn't mean you just stop. Like with our deal right now, they raised rates and a bunch of, with the bond market being so choppy and a bunch of the banks saying, all right, we don't know what's necessarily going on right now. We're not going to stop lending but we're just going to mitigate our risk on how much we lend in the meantime until we figure out where our footing is at in this market, being mm-hmm. that there's a lot of stuff shifting right now. Yep. So when smart money is telling you based on what they're doing and what their sentiment is based on the actions they are or aren't taking, just adjust your strategy accordingly, but it doesn't mean stop and halt altogether, right? You just got to pivot and adapt to what the market is giving you and telling you and figure out the next best step to make in the short term. But again, if you're playing the long-term game and macro perspective is, hey, maybe I'm taking a little bit of a haircut on margin here, but in the grand scheme of things, I may make that up in five or seven or nine years down the road because I'm holding this asset or I'm holding this position for the long-term anyways. Does that investment, even with some of those pulled back 
you know, on certain margins or things that you ideally thought when you were going into it, but now it's a little bit different because the market's telling you something different. Do you just completely pull the ripcord and cut bait and just stop? Or do you continue to make sure that the fundamentals and the foundation of that as asset, you know, or investment is still there, knowing you're going to hold it long-term, but maybe, right, there's some short-term tweaks or adjustments you might need to make in the meantime. Maybe you do cut bait on certain things, right? And then you re-enter quickly at a, with a little bit, you know, retooled strategy and mindset around where you need to be at in that short-term. But again, every decision when it comes to wealth building should be made on the idea that you're making this investment or hold or purchase, you know, or position, in my opinion, for 10 years at a minimum. Yeah, you should be able to make short-term decisions with long-term intentions. That's what you should be doing on the short-term is being able to make short-term decisions that have long-term intentions, meaning you're making a pivot in the short-term. We're selling out of growth, but we're getting into value. Mm -hmm. So we're we're not getting out of equities. We're going into a different sector in equities. We're shaving off long-term duration debt and buying shorter duration debt. Just the the idea of interest, you know, bull market is always somewhere money doesn't disappear. It just yep. goes somewhere else. Um, that's a much more entrepreneurial, proactive way to think than to constantly be in the woe is me feeling sad for yourself because you're taking losses when you when you knew you were going to take losses. It's like signing up to be a boxer and, and fucking quitting the second you get hit the first time. You, every boxer Facts. knows they're getting wrecked when they get in the ring. Who's going to win the fight, though? Who's going to take the who can absorb the hits best and respond in kind and, and with dominance? That's how a boxer thinks. You have to think that way some, in, in some aspects with your investments. I know I'm going to take some hits, I know that I'm going to lose money sometimes. But I have to be prudent and be able to stick to my plan, and that can't affect me. I don't know how many times I'll be. I'll have to say that. I'll say it again in the future. But it's it's really that's the key. That is the ultimate key to being successful in this type of market is not doing what the rest of the the crowd is doing, and in fact, in some manner, doing the opposite. Mm-hmm. And I think especially when we're in a shift, data is your best friend. You know, like I used to be like blow my fucking face off. Like data is the most boring shit on the planet. I don't want to read this stuff. Now, like you and I geek out about it. I love it because one, it creates for a very dynamic conversation that you're not just basing off of emotion or some bullshit headline that you read. You're actually looking at real data Mm -hmm. and you're injecting it into a conversation and making sure obviously, right, preface here, having conversations with the right people. Yeah. Right. Having a data driven conversation with your neighbor next door, you know, who has no idea what the hell they're talking about is maybe different than, you know, people that are actively engaged in certain arenas and that you can have a thoughtful, intelligent conversation. But you and I differ on a lot of stuff, but we also use a lot of data and ultimately end up in the middle somewhere, mm-hmm. right? In terms of what we think is happening and why we think it's happening and what then, and most of what we have used in terms of data over the course of the last few years we've been doing this show and the actions that we've taken because of it have, Panned pr- out. have proven to be prudent, intelligent, yep. one macro and, and two, you know, micro short-term decisions. Like in March of 2020, Mr. Breedwell was pumping money into the market. I made a shitload of money that year. And I was it was all data-driven. I remember... We were in the old studio mm-hmm. and I was like, dude, I'm, I'm fucking like tripping right now. Like this shit's crazy. And you're like, you're like, into the market. this is, this is, you were licking your chops. Right. And, and that was a big eye opener for me. Cause one, I didn't understand as much as I do now, obviously still learning all the time in your world, but everything you were doing had nothing to do with emotion at that time. It was, it was a short term on a macro, you know, fundamental plan that you are operating off of, it was a micro short-term pivot strategy adjustment. And that was all based on just data. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce 
an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast. And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's my first. 50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. Yeah, I still have a, I've eaten some of those earnings up, but I'm still well above 50% annualized rate of return from that short period of time. So I, so it was still a good move. Yep. Um, and that's that was the point. And I, I'm I'm still like on average, I think right now I'm putting between five to ten thousand dollars a month on top of what I'm normally putting into the market. And so it's because the short term picture mm-hmm. and the data is telling you to do so Correct. in terms of how it's conducive with your long-term macro strategy, right? Yep. So guys, this is why if you haven't taken advantage of the free financial x-ray, this is why we say like, hey, that I mean, shit, I don't, I don't get anything from it. Obviously, if you decide to work with Ryan, great. But at the end of the day, this is just a piece of value that we love offering for free to our Millionaire Mindcast listeners, right? Is for you to get another tool on your tool belt or another board of director, right, in your corner that can give you that type of data-driven confidence in your long-term investment and short-term investment strategies. So the free financial x-ray, if you text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555, that's where you'll just get to get connected with Ryan and his team, where they go through your entire portfolio. They look at all your fees. They look at your allocation. They look at your long-term and your short-term goals and they give you some really amazing reporting and data on what might be helpful for you or understanding a little bit more about what you actually have yourself into and maybe some of the things that you do or don't know, how you might want to adjust and take action going forward. That's one of the amazing things that we allow you know, our Millionaire Mindcast family to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. And uh, we want to make sure that you guys get the opportunity to do that as we you know, look at what's going on in the real estate market for a lot of my real estate investors, you know, we're seeing, uh, according to Lawrence uh, Yun, Yun, Yun. Yeah, Lawrence Yun, yeah. Yep, um, which I actually like him. He's been very, pretty spot on with most of his economic analysis over the last seven or eight years that he's the the chief, um, you know, economist over at the National Association of Realtors. Um very tied in with Altos research and and their data. Um, but one of the things that he has, you know, been very adamant about over the course of the last, you know, couple months here is that the real estate market is undergoing a transition. And we're seeing, you know, more and more reports come out and trends and data come out that is essentially supporting that. The beauty is this is an, a real estate market unlike anything we've ever seen in the history of the housing markets. You know, more home equity than ever in the history of mankind. The loans and mortgages written since the financial meltdown and crisis have been solid, you know, um, fundamentally driven loans that ultimately I don't see any type of you know, we're not going to have another Michael Burry moment, right? Where he's predicting yeah. another meltdown and crash because of the fraud and the the financial, you know, crisis that was going on. 
none of that stuff is, is present here in this particular market landscape. But what we are seeing is at least, right, in economic cycles going from, and if you haven't studied economic cycles and you're, you know, complaining about things correcting right now, at the end of the day, this is over the course and history of mankind and all economic cycles. Normal. Normal. Like you go from expansion to recession to expansion to recession, right? You go from expansion, you peak out, you find a new trough through through the recession, and then you start expanding again. Like this is the beauty of the world and why at the end of the day, the United States has the strongest economy in the world. You can argue that, you know, there's things of weakening or softening, but at the end of the day, what capitalism has built in this country and the economic cycles that it has gone through with peaks and troughs, this is all part of this process and this machine and this board game that we're playing called wealth building, right? Correct. So with that being said, we are one day further away from the peak and we're one day closer to the trough and we're also one day potentially closer to another expand expanding market. And I think that, you know, with the data we're seeing in the real estate sector, we are moving towards finding some cooling off and, and what that trough might look like. So inventory is obviously going to be a big teller. Altos Research, which is one of the largest data aggregators out there, if you guys want to go and understand what some of the places are we pull and track our data from, Altos Research is a great one on the real estate side of things. And essentially right now, it's reporting that inventory is above the peak in 2021. So obviously, we saw inventory continue to compress and compress and compress now we're starting to see it expand and expand. Last week, it was 19% year over year. Um, the numbers now are jumping up over where we were at in the peak of 2021. So again, we're continuing to see inventory expand. My current estimate, I think inventory will be up compared to 2020 in Q3. So I think we'll get back to 2020 levels by the end of Q3. And I think that we will probably be back in that 2019 level of inventory at the beginning or somewhere early in 2023. Is that a bad thing? No, I, it gets, I mean, everybody knows what was happening in 2020 and 2019. Like the market was still relatively healthy and strong and it was competitive with rates continuing to rise, I think we're going to see some of that demand continue to get curbed. And I think that, you know, ultimately we'll see more home builder inventory as they finish up their inventory get pumped into the market as well. So those are all things that, again, a lot of this data and these reports and these predictions are baking into the market and what we're seeing. And I think that, you know, if when is a good time to buy a house? It's when you can afford it yeah, and it makes sense for you. <laughs> like stop trying to time the market in, you know, stocks and stop trying to time the market in real estate. Like I know so many friends and people who have not been buying a house because it's too competitive and it's too crazy and it's too this and too that, right? And okay, maybe the prices drop a little bit now, but their mortgage payment is going to be probably the equivalent of what they would have had, you know, if they were to lock in a 30-year fixed at a maybe 10 or 15% higher price value. Yep. But now they're going to be paying that on a Delta and a higher mortgage pay payment, yep. right? So it's like, it all averages out at the end of the day. If you're playing the long-term game, right? Like these short-term peaks and valleys, yeah, they make sense. Or, you know, they, they create some, you know, things to think about and talk about. But, you know, if you go in long, you're going to win long. And right now, we actually did see rates drop this, uh, this morning, 14 bips. So if you are looking to, again, you know, that's not anything to write home about, but it, it dropped 14 bips. Uh, we saw pending home sales reports came out. Uh, those increased uh, by point less than a percent. So essentially, ending of May, um, we saw a little bit less than a percent of increased home sales, which did end a six-month declining streak. But again, we're, we're not talking about, you know, five, 10%. It's 
0.07 of a percent. So 70 bips on that. So ultimately, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see what we see come here end of June, looking back on the data. Um, contracts signed are down sizably year over year. Um, obviously, a big part of that, I think, is due to the high rates. But I, I just think we're seeing a little slow cooling, trickling off of you know the real estate market. But again, I don't think there's anything catastrophic that people need to be worried about. And again, like if you're trying to time the market to get some insane, amazing deal, do I think opportunities are going to come through the next couple quarters? For sure. I think it's more so going to be on the commercial side of things than it is going to be on the single family side of things. But don't try and time the market. And just go back to your fundamental investment decision-making skills and go, does this make sense for me over the long term of this investment hold, right? If you're looking in a three at a five-year time horizon, then make sure that it makes sense in that three to five-year time horizon. If you're looking five to 10, make sure it makes sense in the five to 10. Like, Don't try and time the market. Just make sure that what you're doing today gives you the ability to operate and capture whatever value or return you're looking to capture in the timeline that you're planning on holding it. And then just look at the data and help it forecast where you think the market may be in that time frame to maybe hedge some of your downside or your risk. A lot of what we're talking about in our mastermind groups is, hey, you know, underwrite on a 20 or 30% worst case downside and dip based on the timeline that you're talking about holding the investment. And if it doesn't pencil then and that doesn't jive with your risk portfolio, then don't do it. Go find something that does pencil with the 10 or 30% potential downside. And again, that's worst case scenario. So just baking some of those things into your analysis, just like you guys do, right? Yep. We bake losses in every single time, multiple losses, have to, and we don't do linear rates of return. So there's like all sorts of, you know, little things. Most of the time we'll underestimate. So there's errors baked in in your favor. So all this stuff just to make it so it's the most realistic quantifiable plan that we can come up with. Now, we did see some reports come out, one, this morning, and two, we got more coming up this week. So this week, um, well, as of this morning, we had the Durable Goods report, which is... It's a very big bullish future indicator for the stock market. When people are buying durable goods, it's a future indicator that the economy is strong and that people feel the economy is strong. So that's there's been seven reports released this year. That's six out of seven that um, are positive. So I'm, that's, that's a very good for me and tells me that what are, where I'm kind of looking end of Q3, beginning of Q4 seems to be the correct area for maybe when we get a nice rebound here. Pending home sales index you know, for May, um, which came out this morning. We just talked about that, right? Up, they, The consensus was for a 2% decrease in the index. It came out at 0.07% increase. So... That's a positive, you know, data point for the housing market as a whole, showing that even with the Fed bumping rates, you know, there still is this demand that has not been absorbed to healthy levels yet in the marketplace. Yep. yep. And there's going to be, I, I've even with rates being higher, people may predict they will go even higher. It's warm. I feel like there's. I think sellers are just going to have to get more realistic on their pricing. I yeah, mean, that is the reality of the situation. Yeah, you can't be some, you can't cross your arms and say, you know, no contingencies and yeah, you're not getting thousand over and 10 like, offers, 50K over asking price every time. It's just, that's not, not going to happen happening. anymore. So I think, again, that's not a bad thing in my opinion. June 28th on Tuesday, we got the SP Case Schiller House Price Index for April. This graph shows the year-over-year change in seasonally adjusted national index. Um, so essentially, the consensus is for a 21% year-over-year increase. Um, that'll basically, you know, tell us if the you know housing prices are going to continue to climb. Or if they're not or gonna they're gonna continue or they're gonna start to cool. Right, and so I think we will see some cooling in there. Um, we also have on Wednesday the 29th mortgage purchase applications index, which obviously will release the results for 
you know, how many people are applying for mortgages. And then on the 29th, we also have uh, GDP first quarter 2022 um, and the third estimate. So the consensus is that real GDP decreased one and a half annualized in Q1 unchanged from the second estimate of a one and a half percent decrease in Q2. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think that GDP should be down about 2%. That's, that's my estimate for the quarter two deflators. And then PCE comes out this week as well, which is uh, consumer spending. And that should be an indicator. We need to kind of see where that comes out. Tomorrow, I'm looking at consumer sentiment. I think it's going to be... I don't know why it says expectation is 101. It's 99.9 mm. street expectation. I think it's going to be 102. Initial unemployment claims report will be released on Thursday, June 30th. Consensus is for 230,000 up from 229,000 last week. So a thousand, yeah, so it's just like... Pretty stagnant. Yeah. It's, relatively stable. It needs to move more than that. And so that's flat to me. Yeah. If it was down by a thousand, I would call it flat. <laughs> and this is something that obviously you and I have continued to discuss, right, of being... This is something to really pay attention to Correct. in terms of if we're really starting to head down a slippery slope, right? Yeah. We're experiencing stagnation in the economy. We're still seeing inflation run rampant. Rates are rising. And now all of a sudden we start to see, you know, jobs not getting absorbed. And people are unemployed, not making money. Money's eroding, you know, due to inflation, like that is a recipe for disaster. We don't see any of those technicals right now at the moment. Not right now, no. Which is why I, I keep ignoring anybody that says, you know, depression, depression, depression. That just doesn't doesn't pencil out right now. Could potentially in the future. It's like any time it could in the future. Just doesn't right now. So we'll be sure to give you guys some updates next week on those reports. If you guys have any questions or thoughts for us on what you see going out in the economy, in your particular market, your niche, shoot us a text, 844-447-1555. Ryan and I are also um, kicking around some ideas for a first meetup here in Napa Valley. If you would like to join us on that excursion, it would just be a day trip. Nothing, nothing crazy, nothing overnight. This is going to be more of a meetup, you know, hang out, Use all of Breedwell's amazing wine connections in Napa Valley. Have some great conversations around wealth building, business building, um, and obviously taking your life and your bank account to that next level. Uh, if you want to know more information on that, text the word Napa to 844-447-1555. We want to see how many people are interested um, and maybe kick around some dates and some ideas with you. Uh, also, I'm going to be doing a tour of Tahoe event of my hotel's and some you know, business building, wealth masterminding around investments in the real estate uh, and business spaces. Um, you can text the word Tahoe to 844-447-1555. Don't forget to take advantage of your free financial x-ray by texting the word x-ray to that same number. And of course, if you are an accredited investor, you want to get on my syndications deals list, text the word deals to 844-447-1555. That being said, guys... Mucho love. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to hit that subscribe button each and every week. Coming on here, dropping some gems. And please leave us a five-star review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on. Until next week's episode. Cheers. Cheers, y'all. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Wealth Building Wednesday. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. If you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you either leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on or share this with somebody that you know can gain some insight, some value from it. One of the things that you guys know about Ryan and I is, you know, we definitely won't say we have all the answers and we definitely won't say we know it all. We just want to bring conversation to the areas, the topics that we believe are really important to bring attention and awareness to, to help you sharpen your ax, put more tools on your tool belt, weaponize you to make the best decisions that align not only with your financial goals, right, but your lifestyle goals. So if you guys want to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. Most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective or really in most cases overcharged and whether or not their current investment plan is actually aligned 
with what they're trying to accomplish and by when. And this is something Ryan does for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that x-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you are someone who is serious about building your wealth and you're already kind of established, but you want to surround yourself with other like-minded, high net worth individuals, be sure to text WEALTHCAMP, one word, to 844-447-1555 to learn more about our intimate five-star experiences with other like-minded business owners and investors to cross-pollinate, to hear what they're doing, and to have a whole, a whole hell of a lot of fun while we're doing it. And last, if you want to know more about consulting or getting mentorship directly from me or from Ryan, you can learn more by texting the word MENTOR to 844-447-1555. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next Keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.